I've never had a call like this in my life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bigfoot on Trial, the show that utilizes forensic science and the different disciplines within crime scene investigations to study evidence, sightings, and eyewitness testimony concerning Bigfoot. I'm your host, David Zagan. If you have any sightings, any evidence, or anything you just want to discuss in general, hopefully about Bigfoot, please go to BigfootForensics.com, leave your message, or hit me up at evidence at bigfootforensics.com. Um, I just want to thank everyone for coming and uh, listening to the first show. I've had some good responses so far. Uh, but one of the first things I like to address is Tim is a freak. All right. If I could, I would take him Bigfoot hunting and he might trip. You know what I'm saying? Um, aside from apparently messing up my crime scene before I even got a chance to get there, he left me a ton of voicemails and I'll let you hear those later. Um, but I think what we need to do first is we kind of need to revisit uh, what exactly schemas are, uh, maybe just rehash real fast what we learned the last time when talking with expert witnesses. So let's real quickly go over schemas so we can get the eyewitness testimony out of the way and move on. So remember schemas, they're basically your worldview on how something is supposed to be in a particular situation. It's what you as an individual would associate with a particular incident. An example, a northerner who's never been in the South and never had our lovely hospitality thrust upon them may get their information from TV, movies, or uh, people making fun of the South on the news. That never happens, right? So when that northerner goes on vacation and passes through town on the way to Disney and stops at a small gas station only to see someone best described as what I would describe as a normal everyday person from the country, but who knows, maybe they have a college education. We don't know anything about their background, but then once that person speaks with that accent, then that person's predisposition of what Southerner is turns into their mind an extra from the movie Deliverance. Squeal. This can happen with anything. Your brain is filling in gaps of information that you don't have based on a preconceived idea and also what you were taught about that situation. So eyewitnesses who focus only on a gun in a traumatic incident may fill in the gap subconsciously, even if they've been taught or led to believe only certain types of people do certain types of crime. This can carry over to any traumatic event or event that happened extremely fast. Okay, so remember we also learned that weapon focus or tunnel vision plays an integral part of this. Also, that it doesn't necessarily apply to only weapons. It's whatever we focused on. So be careful of the eyewitness that says they were scared out of their mind, feared death, and then tells a lengthy, lengthy story with tons of details. Every case is different. Every person is different. So no matter what, err on the side of caution. Always show empathy when listening. It may be the worst thing they have ever experienced. Don't compare your experiences and use them to gauge to how someone should act. I'm not saying not to trust eyewitnesses, 
I just want you to be aware of how some people may be betrayed by what they think are their actual memories. Because honestly, humans do some crazy stuff, as you will see in a moment. Like that crazy guy, Tim, who can't seem to find anything better to do. <clears throat> so with all that in mind, let's get back to what we were gonna do to secure the scene, right? So after listening to Tim, I decided, why the heck not? Let's go on out there, let's see if we can find evidence of a armadillo tied to a tree, tracks from a possum being kicked, why not? Sounds like fun, right? So on the way there, I started getting a bunch of voicemails. I didn't feel like talking to Tim on the phone. He started sending the voicemails one after another. So just for giggles, uh, let's, let's listen to these. Hey there, this is Tim. I know you said you was going to be going out to the, uh, to, to the place where I saw them things with Grammy. And I just want to let you know, um, hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Is it recording? It beeped, but I don't know if it... All right, well, I just keep talking until it stops. So I went back out to the, the, uh, the scene the other day, you know, around that bend where I saw them big hairy things. And I just wanted to get a good look for myself. You know what I'm saying? So I went around that bend... And I started looking around for the footprints and, you know, to see if maybe there was, you know, anything I could see to try to collect for evidence before y'all come out here. Because I wanted to be prepared and, like, get some stuff to prove to y'all that I actually saw it. So I was walking down the trail and it was right before dark and I heard this bang, bang, bang. Or maybe it was just two bangs. I'm not really sure. I mean, it could have been a stick falling or two sticks right in a row. But it just sounded like two sticks hitting a tree. And, you know, it reminded me of... Well, I ain't going to say that about Grammy. But, God rest her soul. You know, she passed the other day after we got home. She started talking about the big butts. And she says, now, Tim... I actually want to finally tell you about my experience. And then she looked up at me with them soulful eyes, and she just said, okay, so this is what happened. And I said, Grammy, what? What happened? And she just kept staring at me. And I kept thinking, any minute, she's going to tell me what happened. And I was trying to be patient, but she just kept staring at me. And that was when I noticed that her eyes really weren't moving no more, but they were just kind of staring like deep into my soul. And I thought, Grammy, Grammy. Turns out, I just been staring right back at her, and she ain't been there for a while. She done already moved on, so I never got the full story. So, anyways, about them, uh, them sticks hitting the trees, it sounded just like on TV. You know, that show where they're banging on the trees with the sticks and they're hooping and hollering. So, by the sound of the stick hitting the tree, it, the only thing it could have been was Bigfoot. So, I just want to let you know, you need to be careful out here. There's big, hairy Andre the Giants hitting trees with sticks. And if they can hit a tree with a stick, they can hit you. But it did get me to thinking if they are hitting trees with sticks. Like, do they hit pine cones and... 
stuff like that? Do they do they do they do sports? Hello? Hello? That thing thing cut me off. I guess I'll just pick up from where I left off. Um so I didn't find nothing out there. I mean, I looked all over the place. I was even looking to see if that possum that I kicked was pieces of it around. I mean, like, surely they don't eat, like, the the toenails and, like, the tail. Because that's gross. Have you seen that tail on them things? It looks just like a rat. I mean, they're not the cleanliest things. But I'm guessing, well, I don't know. You know? I don't know. A possum's clean? I heard they're not clean, or is that the armadillo? But I'm not really sure. I didn't see no body parts from nothing out there. So maybe they eat the whole thing. I mean, who knows, right? I don't know. Maybe it's like a possum nugget and they just throw the whole thing in there. But I do know that when I start thinking about them stick knocks, that I should like back off a little bit. Because I done already been up and down that trail looking for the parts and hitting things with sticks, trying to see if I could get them to call back. So I thought, hey, you know what? They came when I made them chitlins. So I went back around the bend and I decided to make me some chitlins. Because Grammy said we had to make stuff that smoked real good to bring them in. So I thought maybe that thing that was hitting the tree was just scared. But if I made them chitlins, he'd remember it was me. How's technology supposed to be helpful if it just keeps cutting me off every couple of minutes? I'm trying to tell my story to you. So, let me try again. I'm sure it'll cut me off again and again and again. But here it goes. So there I am, making the chitlins around the fire. Remembering the first time I was out there with Grammy and the weird Dorita smell. And then it dawned on me. What am I doing? Why do I want the things to come back? I mean, that's your job. My job was just to tell you the story and tell you where it was and go show you where it was. So I packed up my stuff and I decided I was going to leave. And I went walking back down the trail towards the truck to go pack it back up again. And that's when I saw it. There was dents and dings and mud and stuff all over my truck. And there was these big handprints across the windows. And I didn't know what the hell it was. But it looked like something was beating on my truck and trying to push it over or something. All I know is I saw them big handprints and all I could think of was, I'm glad I wasn't inside that thing. But then it dawned on me, me and it's not inside that thing either right now. So I better get in. So I get in the truck and I'm hauling butt down the road. And about that time, I seen a possum cross the road. And I thought, I wonder if it's that same possum. Did he get away? No, he didn't get away. (laughs) There ain't no way to get away from them things unless they pick you up, right? All right. This is the last time I'm calling you back. But I got this to say. Let me collect my thoughts. What did I do next? Oh, yeah. So then I took my truck on home, and the first thing I did was scrub that sucker up and get those stupid handprints off my truck. You believe that thing put his hand fingerprints all over my glass? You know how hard it is to clean that. I can't afford that. 
and all those dents and dings. It was already dented and ding. I mean, I guess that's the good part. I can't really tell which ones it did and which ones it didn't do. That's why I didn't go through no damn insurance. You know, that's just a... I ain't gonna talk about insurance right now. But... Let me tell you something. If that thing ever puts his hands on my truck again, he ain't getting no more chitlins. Anyways, I, I just I just wanted to let you know that I went out there and I did the best that I could to try to get you some evidence before you got there. That way I could show you that I was telling the truth. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't find any. Um, but you can go look, right? I mean, I showed you where it was. So, uh... But give me a call back when you when you get out there and tell me what you find, cause I, I'm interested in hearing what a professional has to say when once they get out there and does their investigation. Okay, bye now. Okay, so obviously this is a freaking crime scene nightmare. Um, this guy apparently went out of his way uh, to mess this crime scene up, um, although he was trying to be helpful. But, had there actually been a scene for me to go to, how would we have approached it once we got there? One of the first things we need to do is secure the scene, which was, what, the whole title about this, this, this show? Secure the scene? Alright, so how do we secure the scene? Uh, in the woods and pretty much any scene, um, we're pretty much going to be doing that visually, usually cordoning off something with uh, crime scene tape, something of that nature, something that people can see visually that there is a barrier, you should not go past this point. Uh, obviously, there's other types of scenes and buildings and such where we can shut the door, but we'd still put crime scene tape up uh, a little bit further out. And one of the biggest things that we want to do is start off with the scene fairly large. I mean, a lot larger than you normally would. You can always shrink it. The worst thing that could possibly happen is you actually uh, think you've secured the scene, you're working the scene. This is actually, uh, I've seen this happen. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was me, but I've seen this happen where we had a scene taped off and we actually had a person come up to us and say, hey, um, do you think this is part of what you guys are doing while he's holding a fired cartridge case, right? And that's pretty much a oh crap moment. Um, and sure enough, once we went looking, the scene actually expanded out uh, a whole lot further, uh, at least 100 yards. So once we've secured the scene or narrowed down the focus, and coordinate it off with tape. Um, and that's actually probably a good idea to do inside of a wooded area, because when you start to photograph later, um, with the cordoned off with that yellow crime scene tape, you'll be able to put things into perspective and you'll be able to kind of get a sense for the uh, the dynamics of the scene. You know, is it hilly? Um, what kind of terrain is it? Um, it's also really hard when you're looking at photographs to determine how wide a tree is. So you can have some issues with depth of field and perspective. So what's the purpose of putting up this tape and creating the visual barrier? What we're really trying to do is tell people, don't go in here, right? I mean, that's it at its most basic form. Second, we're trying to preserve the scene and the integrity of the evidence within. Because remember, we have to start working from the least destructive to the most destructive as far as methods of processing. So in the beginning, if we can keep the scene secure and keep people and other things from entering it and destroying evidence, then the crime scene investigator can go inside that scene and methodically approach and start diagnosing 
how they're going to start uh, documenting and preserving the scene. So don't forget things like DNA and trace and things like that are going to be one of the first things that you're going to go after because they're easily contaminated. So for our crime scene guys, let's not forget to do the crime scene log and record anyone who enters this, the reason why, what time, and what time they left. Also, and this is pretty important too, check their footwear. Make sure that their feet are covered. Don't have people walking around leaving big traces. Of course, the Bigfoot people, I'm guessing you would like if you actually had the, uh, the boot prints in the mud. At least you'd know it wasn't an animal because if we put our foot coverings on, we wouldn't be leaving the tread marks from our shoes. I'd also like to take a minute to address the fact that just because you've cordoned off the crime scene and you've established a perimeter, and now you have somebody standing there making sure that you know who's coming in and out of your, um, your scene, that it's not entirely secure. Let's not forget about weather and the elements that can affect your scene. Um, wind can blow substantial amounts of evidence away. Also, rain can destroy stuff. So when I talk about securing the scene, I'm not just talking about setting up a perimeter and it's like having like a gate guard there. I also mean securing the scene as in, you're not gonna have any evidence blow away or rain destroy your stuff. So don't forget, you're gonna need things like umbrellas, canopies, uh, boxes to collect evidence that's not gonna get destroyed by the rain. Um, but also don't forget that certain things have to be packaged differently. Um, you're not going to put biological materials inside a plastic bag. You don't need it rotting and growing fungi and all kinds of bacteria. You're going to want that in something porous like paper. Um, but you're going to need to be able to bag that into the paper and put it away properly before the rain gets to it, right? So at least have something nearby where you can store those items that you've already bagged. So now that we've properly secured our scene, established a perimeter. What's the next step? Yes, finally, it's the fun part. We get to go inside and start processing and start collecting evidence, the fun part, right? Uh, yeah, until you have to do all the paperwork later. But unfortunately, we're not gonna be doing that on this show. Um, we will be covering it, of course. I don't know if it's gonna be on the next one or the one after that, I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, but I do know that securing the scene it's really not that difficult. All we're doing is throwing up crime scene tape, securing it, making sure nobody goes in and destroys our evidence, throwing umbrellas over foot impression evidence or canopies over our evidence to keep the wind or the rain out. That way we can take our time and develop a plan. That's what it's really all about. And I'm fully aware that this show is gonna be a lot shorter than almost all the other shows, right? And I apologize, but how, what can you do? Securing the scene really isn't that hard, but I kind of want to keep it going from segment to segment. That way we can go back, re-listen if we need to. It kind of needs to be step-by-step, kind of like a chapter. Eventually we're going to hit all those really cool things like uh, just taking a look at different people's evidence and such. So uh, just bear with me. This is how it's got to be for this particular one, but I still hope that you enjoyed it. Um, but just like every show we're gonna have, we're gonna end it with a dad joke. So what kind of exercise does a Bigfoot like to do? Sass squats. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so don't forget to go to BigfootForensics.com. Um, take a look at our website. Um, we should have some more materials on there for you to peruse. Don't forget to check out some of the links on the first page. It's pretty freaking awesome. Uh, remember, we're all about trying to do the real science here, whether it's for Bigfoot or crime scene investigations. Either way, let's get together, let's share some evidence, let's go over it together, let's discuss it together and see if we can do stuff better to actually put some real evidence on these websites and real evidence into the public. Until next time. She was holding her baby the way a human would, but says that baby had a face only a mother could love. Ooh.